Destruction or Peace by Mehboob Qasim. Audiobook, Episode 1. This audiobook is produced as part of a series of episodes based on the treatise Destruction or Peace by Mehboob Qasim. The first episode covers part 1, chapters 1 through 3. The balance of the chapters from Destruction or Peace will be released covering each topic for easier listening. This treatise is based on extracts from works of learned scholars, researchers, scientists, and several rare manuscripts, among which some are the only copies known to be in existence. Readers of this book may be surprised at the disclosures made herein and wonder why vital facts have been suppressed and concealed. Some may even laugh at this attempt to save the people of the world from destruction and bring about peace by means of mere quotations, including old prophecies. Those unfamiliar with the Quran will be delighted to pursue the detailed and venerated accounts of the dedication of Virgin Mary by her mother from even before Mary's birth as also the descriptions of the miraculous conception and birth of Holy Jesus, which occur in numerous surahs, chapters of the Quran, some of which have been presented in this volume. They include how baby Jesus from his cradle miraculously defended the virginity of his mother when she was accused by Jewish ladies of an illicit relationship and that the date of Jesus' birth is a blessed day, which, however, is not Christmas Day. These bring out the many wonderful aspects of this momentous event not even known to the readers of the New Testament. The prophecy of Fatima, which was to be proclaimed to the world at the beginning of 1960, has been quoted here, as revealed by Jean Dixon, the American lady who had foretold the assassinations of President Kennedy and the Reverend Martin Luther, Luther King and many others. This prophecy is duly supported by foretellings from other independent authorities, including sources from the Holy Bible. The experts reproduced in this research are based, amongst other sources, on the Gospel of Barnabas, so a few lines are given here so as to who is the author of this gospel. Saint Barnabas. Saint Barnabas was a Levite Jew from Cyprus. His name was Jose. Barnabas was not his name nor his family title. He met Holy Jesus, son of Virgin Mary. May the peace and blessings of God be on each of them. He was so much influenced by Jesus that Barnabas sold all his properties. Barnabas donated the entire proceeds for the propagation of the teachings of Jesus and became a very ardent follower of Jesus. Upon the personal dictations of Jesus, he recorded the Evangel of Jesus in Hebrew language, the mother tongue of Jesus. These dictations of Jesus were written down in the presence of Jesus before his departure from earthly life. For his devotion to Jesus, Barnabas was given the Hebrew title of Barnabuha. Bar means son of, Nabuha means the prophet.
The title of Bar Nabuha, or the son of the prophet, was given by the Jewish prophets to their religious heir or successor. For example, Barnabuha of Moses was Joshua, of Samuel, David, of David, Solomon, of Elijah, Elisha, of Elisha was Jehu, of Zechariah was his son John, of John the Baptist was Jesus when he anointed Jesus. Hence the title of Barnabas, the Greek form of Barnabuha, means that the Levite Jew Jose was made the spiritual heir of Holy Jesus. Thus, by this appointment, it was the duty of St. Barnabas to carry on the teachings of Jesus after he was lifted to heaven. The Gospel of Barnabas, written in Hebrew in the personal handwriting of St. Barnabas, was found in the year 382 AD, lying upon his chest, during an excavation in Cyprus when the grave of St. Barnabas was disclosed. The Gospel of Barnabas was intact as if it had been placed inside the grave. So also was the body of St. Barnabas, just like on day one. Both of these are no doubt miracles as both the Gospel and the body of St. Barnabas could not have remained intact for over 300 years in the damp Mediterranean climate. Question. Scientific world with a bound to self-destruction? Even the word fantastic is inadequate to describe the almost unimaginable progress that science is making today in every sphere. Man's conquest of travel in outer space, the successful landings on the moon and the hopes of landing upon neighboring planets are all achievements which were unimaginable. This is by no means all. No, it is only a beginning. There are other far more controversial subjects upon which serious researches are now being done. The vast knowledge yet undreamt of lies in the results of practical experiments on such subjects which concern man and his welfare. A few of them are, will women be able to bear their own children, be able to select from a bank fetus, which has been lying frozen for a hundred years or more, with such combinations offering a wide variety of choice, for example, from a Scandinavian woman with blue eyes and golden hair and milk-white skin, but having the intelligence, patience and stamina of a yogi fakir from India, who have combined to produce that particular fetus which a childless woman is selecting for a baby all her own, even though she could not normally conceive a child. Will it be possible to bring back to life one who has been dead for a century or more, but whose body has been kept frozen and unharmed for, an entire, for the entire period? Can man control his destiny and by means of science prolong his life indefinitely? The phrase, the sky is the limit, is now believed by many ideologists to be quite inadequate to describe fully the incredible achievements which are being continuously and successfully accomplished daily. But, but what worries most great thinkers of today is, are all these for the good of humankind 
or is it for destruction? Scientists are generally of the confirmed view that the new weapons of destruction that are now being developed and experimented on have already put into insignificance even such horrible weapons as the hydrogen bomb. Countries still continue to vie with one another in the production and invention of weapons more dangerous, more destructive. Then they congratulate one another on their so-called achievements. <clears throat> Newspapers often boast about world leaders holding conferences to promote peace on earth. One warlike incident after another brings home the fact to the United Nations and to all humanity that universal peace cannot be gained by mere talking. When one realizes the terrible devastation the two world wars have caused, the miseries that they brought in their wake, and all the horrors, even without any of the newly invented weapons of mass extermination already developed and still being exper experimented upon, one cannot help shuddering with fear at the thought of scientific world with a bound to self-destruction We will now talk about nuclear holocaust, forecasts concerning nuclear warfare, when, where, means of averting it. There are today two major groups of nuclear powers who possess nuclear bombs. These are the Western Bloc, comprising of the United States of America, United Kingdom, France and a few others. The Communist Bloc, consisting of Russia and China. Among the present outstanding major issues which could possibly result in a nuclear holocaust are the conflicts relating to the Middle East. Which countries might be involved in a nuclear bombardment? At a, glass, at a glance, one can see that many European, Asian, African countries could be involved. Therefore, if nuclear weapons of destruction are used, it would naturally involve many nations and destroy them utterly in the Holocaust. A slight mistake or miscalculation could be responsible for millions of deaths even in neutral countries. Most people do not realize, sorry, most people do realize quite well that with all these preparations we are heading for a nuclear Holocaust which will destroy very large sections of humanity. But has this ever been foretold? If so, what does the prophecy say? Are nuclear weapons for the destructions of humanity? Jean Dixon prophesizes bad times for America. In her book, A Gift of, of Prophecy, pages 177 through to 181, the Phenomenal Gene Dixon by Ruth Mon Montgomery. Sorry, I have to repeat this.
nuclear weapons for destruction of humankind. Gene Dixon prophesizes bad times for America. On pages 177 through to 181 of A Gift of Prophecy, the phenomenal Gene Dixon by Ruth Montgomery. Jean interprets this vision she, she saw as an advance warning that Americans must pay dearly for the confusion, degradation, immorality in our political, business, labor, and family lives. For our obsession with material things, our compromises with high principles. Like the Romans who squandered their great cultural and political leadership, Jean Dixon feels that we also are building up a loathsome debris that must be consumed by cleansing fires before peace can return to a troubled world. Four warnings that not only America but also Europe would be involved in nuclear destructions has been foretold by Imam Uzzaman Kia. Ahmad by Hazrat Khwaja Hassan Nizami, published by Ibn Arabika Rukun Halka at Delhi in January 1927, fourth edition on pages 32-33 are passages in Persian which are translated hereunder. Couplet number 11, according to information of the Quran, thunder and lightning will be produced by various instruments of war. Couplet number 12, from the letter N, Noon, N would stand for Christianity as the letter N in the Persian script stands for Nazareth. In this context, it can mean N for those lands which were once Christian but are no longer Christian like Russia or N in short for Nazareth or Israel of today to Rome from the and from there, that is Rome, to the extreme limits of America with a, rainy, with a rain of fiery meteors. From Couplet number 13. From these inventions will burst forth quite hot light, giving out the sounds of thunder. Strange indeed will be these wondrous inventions. Couplet number 14. Strange performances, such as sending men to the moon and other such achievements of receiving photos of Mars, surface, etc. The strange sounds such as speaking with different countries by means of artificial satellites. These will be performed by means of the equipments made to produce white, hot light and thunder. In other words, nuclear power. Prophecies that a nuclear war would be between two powerful groups of nations, that is, the two nuclear blocks of countries. On page 33 of Imam Uzzaman Ki Ahmad, advice of the Prophet of, of Islam is quoted as that the end of the present world civilization will not take place until two very powerful groups of nations fight a terrifying battle. Their claim will be the same that they are fighting for giving humanity justice, equality, peace, and yet they would fight. There will, be, there will be so very great a massacre as can be compared to the total destruction of humanity on earth. Prophecies made in 1152 AD describing the results of the Third World War. 
Shah Niyamatullah has written in Persian poetry 14 passages of prophecies of events from the 12th century AD to beyond the end of the 20th century AD. In all these 800 years, not one of his prophecies have proved false. Already 12 passages have been completely fulfilled. The 13th has practically run its span. The relevant Persian texts are still lying preserved in the British Museum at London. One Professor Brown has done much research on them. The following passages are from the end of the 13th of such passages. Couplet 15, sorry, couplet 51. As described before the disasters through which India has passed, the same type of disunity will set in for the Western bloc of countries. Couplet 52. Out of the two allied countries whose names commence with Alif, the letter A, these two Alifs, or A in Persian, stand for the first letter of America and Anglistan, or England. One Alif, Anglistan, or England, will become knocked out like a felled horse in this war, while another Alif, which is to the west of the first Alif, in other words, America, will simultaneously be attacked by Ra, the alphabet Ra, R, in the said war. The word R, we guess, would refer to Russia. The scientists of defeated Jean, which is G in the Persian language, the country which was defeated in World War II and whose name starts with the letter G is Germany would be forced by the conquering countries like America, Russia, Britain to prepare such arms which would burst like erupting volcanoes, causing fiery hells. And these would be used without any mercy or consideration by Ra or R, the first letter of Russia, in this war upon heavily populated areas. Couplet 54 the two countries whose names commence with Alif, America, Anglistan, will be eliminated in such a devastating form that no trace whatsoever will be left of them save and accept their names and the pages of history. Couplet 55 This kind of annihilation of nations would be the punishment of the almighty invisible God upon the sinful Western civilization. Never again will they be able to claim the seat of priestly power to influence this world. Couplet 56 The disbelievers in God, the atheists or communists, will conquer the world after destroying the Western civilization. But in the end, they will eventually be destroyed and condemned to hell. Couplet 61 if you want success and continuity of your nations, I beg of you in the name of Allah, obey his orders, lead your life according to his last set of commandments. The word Allah means the eternal supreme being who is the creator and sustainer of the universes and all that exists, who has no equals and who is neither male or female nor plural. He is the one and only who can be called God. Couplet 63, O Niamat, 
This is a short form of taking one's own name. Ni'amatullahi, your mouth shut. Do not disclose any further secrets of God Almighty. This is being written by me in the year 1152 AD. Thus it appears from these prophecies made more than 800 years ago that scientists of a defeated European country whose name commences with G would be forced to prepare weapons of war bursting like erupting volcanoes causing fiery hell and that these would be used by both sides in the Third World War. Further, that Russia would ruthlessly destroy the heavily populated areas of the Western civilization. Question, how can humanity save ourselves from nuclear disaster? But there is very little sane and good advice for the safety of all humankind given in I need to restate this sentence, sorry. How can humanity save ourselves from nuclear disaster? But there is also very sane and good advice for the safety of all humankind given in couplet number 61 of Shah Niyamatullah as follows. If you want success and continuity of your nations, I beg of you in the name of Allah, obey his orders. Lead your life according to his last set of commandments. Thus, it will be clear that if humanity is to be saved, we must surrender ourselves and live in accordance with the wishes of the Creator and Sustainer of all that exists, God Almighty. Part of humanity will spurn this warning by boastfully contending. Science shows that everything has come out of the process of evolution and not by creation. Hence, those who are of a scientific bent of mind do not feel any necessity for the existence of a God as the creator of the universe. Therefore, they do not feel any compulsion to follow his laws or surrender to him. They vehemently contend that humankind cannot be saved from the destructive scientific might by surrendering oneself to God Almighty, the creator and sustainer of entire universes and everything that exists. One appropriate historical example is quoted hereunder from the Holy Bible as a ready reference. Now in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against all the fenced cities of Judah and took them. And the king of Assyria sent Tartan and Rapsiris and Rapshakshe and Rapshakske from Lakesh to King Hezekiah with a great host against Jerusalem. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. And when they were come up, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool, which is the highway of the fuller's field. And when they had called to the king, there came out to them Elikim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household, and Shedna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder. And Rab Shake said unto them, Speak 
ye now to Hezekiah. Thus said the great king, the king of Assyria, with confidence in his, in this wherein thou trustest. Thou sayest, but they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength for the war. Now on whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Second book of Book of Kings, chapter 18, verses 13, 17 to 20. Has any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land out of the hand of king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and of Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvian, Hena, Iva? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who are they among all the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? Second book of Kings, chapter 18, verses 33 to 35. Immediately, King Hezekiah of Jerusalem sent a messenger to Prophet Isaiah to pray to God Almighty for help. Prophet Isaiah gave the following reply received from God. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant, and they that escape out of Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, shall do this. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into the city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with a shield, nor cast bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return and shall not come into the city, says the Lord. For I will de defend the city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of David my servant. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians one hundred fourscore and five thousand. And when they the king of the Assyrians arose early in the morning. Behold, they, the army, were all dead corpses. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed frustrated and went and returned disappointed and dwelt in Nineveh. And it came to pass, as he was worshipping in the house of Nisroch, his god, that Adramalek and Sharezer, his son smote him with the, with the sword for the disaster he had brought about by dis, disbelieving God Almighty. And they escaped into the land of Armenia. And Ezahadon, his son, reigned in his stead. Second book of Kings, chapter 19, verses 31 to 37. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry over there. <laughs> From the above passages, it is clear that King Sennacherib of Assyria had surrounded Jerusalem with a large army. As he had defeated all the neighboring kings, he in his pride mocked the powers of God Almighty, just as the atheist-minded science scholars of today are doing. But what happened on the night before the attack? 
History shows that the entire Assyrian army of 185,000 men was destroyed by God Almighty. Thus, the people of Jerusalem were saved even without making any effort whatsoever. That was because they believed in God Almighty and had surrendered unto him. As this has been done before on many an occasion, as repeatedly shown in this treatise, why can it not happen again? This is the very essence of this volume, Destruction or Peace. It is to help humankind to the path that will save all humanity from self-annihilation in the present scientific age. It will be seen later on that there are going to be two such occasions in the coming years when the armed might of nuclear power with the strength of the majority of the people will attack a defenseless saint and his band of believers in God Almighty. In the first of these two assaults, five-sixths of the might of the attackers will be destroyed by divine aid when all other hope has gone. Five-sixths in modernity means 83.34%. On the second occasion in the Battle of Armageddon, the armed nuclear might of the worldly powers will be destroyed again to establish the universal religion of Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. At this stage, all weapons of war will be destroyed. Universal love and brotherhood will be established. War will become a thing of the past for many centuries to come thereafter. Hence, it is obvious that if the world is to preserve its safety, people must rise to the occasion and make a serious effort to achieve universal peace amongst men and women of goodwill, irrespective of caste, colour, race, nationality. Otherwise, very many are doomed to the most serious disaster in all of human history. There will be many who will disbelieve and disregard these warnings, but there are bound to be at least some who will live even after this terrible disaster. Then they will realize the great value of this warning, but alas, it will be too late. Is it not the duty of every intelligent human being to strive for a basis of world peace, goodwill, friendship? Forewarned is forearmed. Universal peace, by what means? If man cannot come to the terms with the rest of his universe and effectively ban the manufacture of destructive weapons, he will inevitably, in a short time, become so technologically advanced that he is bound to destroy himself. Imagination has been the basis of our civilization. Without it, we could not have advanced to the stage of rocketing to the moon and other planets around us, even though this was foretold 1400 years ago. O company of jinn and men, if you have power to penetrate all regions of the heaven and the earth, then penetrate them. You will never penetrate them save and except when Allah shall permit it.
by giving men the present advanced scientific knowledge. Quran chapter 55 verse 33. All our present comforts, beautiful buildings, works of art, trains, cars, aircrafts, automatic machines, electrical gadgets, television, and all our scientific progress are the results of pictures conjured in the minds of men and then made into a reality. Man is able to cre create much from his imagination. It has been repeatedly proved whatsoever the mind of man can conceive that it can achieve. But the imaginative faculty, although discovered and used in an elementary fashion, has still a long, long way to go to reach its apex. Its potential is vast. So far, men have only scratched the surface. Indeed, our imagination is our greatest gift. Each one of us is born with this. But due to disuse and neglect, it recedes into the background, becoming weak and unproductive over the years. Just as a muscle or an organ, if not used regularly, becomes flabby, so it is with imagination. No one is able to say with any degree of accuracy how extensive or how productive one's imagination can be. It has been made possible. It has made possible such things as were once considered impossible, and it will surely do so again in the future. Imagination and will are closely related. In fact, the will by itself is useless. In any conflict between the two, it is the imagination that always prevails because you can do a thing only when you have the concept for it. Tell yourself, no matter how difficult a thing is, that you can do it and imagine yourself doing it, you can eventually succeed. But try and force yourself to do something which you cannot imagine possible, then you are not likely to be successful. It is our duty to do whatsoever we can in terms of our imagination to bring about world peace. Not only is imagination essential for new ideas and inventions, it is also helps us to live a better life and more fruitful life. Imagination when used productively and in a practical manner by business executives means better working conditions, better labor relations. When applied by the teacher, it makes lessons interesting. To the housewife, it makes housework a joy. And for ordinary men and women, it enables them to get the best out of life. Imagination and creativity, if used sensibly for constructive purposes, can do much more for humankind than what most of the scientific developments put together have done so far. This is the very essence by which we can achieve universal goodwill, harmony, peace. In Genesis chapter 11 verse 6 we read, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. From this quotation of the Holy Bible, it is seen that at one stage humankind was united into one common people. 
let us all reflect for a moment especially on the word now in the last portion of the above quotation. Now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Genesis chapter 11 verse 6. This brings home quite vividly the lesson. United we stand, divided we fall. Since we were once as humanity united, why cannot be why cannot we why cannot we be united again? This is the challenge facing each and every individual, each and every nation, if they wish to survive. Nay, it is the only means of survival. No amount of sacrifice or efforts on the part of powerful nations can be too great to achieve this ideal. Surely we have enough imagination to find a common basis for all, an equality for all, a common brotherhood for all, a basis for international peace and goodwill. The burning question is by what means? That answer can be found if one observes the following. Forget our egoism and thoughts of imposing our will on others. Give up all prejudices, especially, oh well, we have believed in this for centuries, and open our mind to anything that is good and beneficial for all humankind and not what we selfishly want to believe or have been believing for centuries. Select the very best way to achieve international goodwill. Select the very best way to achieve international goodwill without any distinction of caste, color, creed, nationality. Avoid the cause of causes which led to the curse of God, which broke up the unity of humankind. This is by far the most important of all, if we are to succeed. People who are creatively alert are naturally not only the most interesting personalities, but it is to them that the world turns for guidance in difficulties. They think differently and have more to say in the development of thoughts. It is to such people that this appeal is being made to come forward fearlessly and tell us courageously, with a lot of courage, the truth as to how international peace is achievable. These leaders in all the governments of the world, the preachers, the thinkers, the scientists, the lawyers, and every individual are called upon through this appeal for the safety of all humanity. To use their powers to try and imagine what the future might be in the light of what has happened in the past and why. To analyze and evaluate are the traits that distinguish man from animals. Let us sink our differences, egoism, prejudices. Let us shake off our complacency that this is good enough. For nothing but the very best can solve the great problem before us. Let us one and all rise to this occasion and come out to seek the path 
to universal safety and goodwill amongst all men. All great thinkers will admit that religion has often been the binding factor between people of different nationalities, customs, languages. Here lies the cement which, if properly processed, could save the whole world from future annihilation of man by man. Unity amongst nations is the only way to gain cooperation between men of goodwill for the international progress and success of all humanity. This is where we need the faculties of our imagination the most to sift out the one and only pathway towards salvation. Therefore, one cannot be contented with this is good enough, but man has to have the best, nay, the very best. Nothing less will do if we are able to achieve the desired target, universal love, universal goodwill, universal brotherhood. If world unity is our object, then the first thing to study will be the causes which broke up the unity of humankind when we were all united once and spoke one language. This is amplified in part two of this treatise. The greatest scientific advancements now achieved have been by what may loosely be termed the European group of nations comprising Russia in the East up to America in the West. Therefore, the third part of this book is being devoted to make a survey of their basic religions and to see what advantages can be derived from such observations for the common good of all humanity. What according to European research scholars, could be the basis of the religion of world unity and peace amongst men of goodwill, is given in the fourth part of this thesis. The last part consists of foretellings of the coming events about the establishment of a common world religion under one person for the benefit of all humankind, when not only would wars be banned and weapons of war destroyed, but even the wild animals would also live in peace, a complete surrender to the will of God Almighty. We shall now make an analysis of these four subjects in an effort to find the ways and means by which we can achieve universal goodwill and unity. Let us be fired by our imagination that we are going to find unity. We will and must find that path of international cooperation and love. Surely men and women of goodwill can find that path to one world with one people with one common goal, universal peace and brotherhood. This book is therefore food for thought and efforts to that ideal goal which our leaders must nay, each individual amongst us, every man, woman, and even children, must strive to achieve, rising above our selfish desires and prejudices. With an honest and open mind towards the truth, the absolute truth. You have been listening to part one of Destruction or Peace, comprising chapters one through three, 
The balance of the chapters from the book Destruction or Peace is being released as a series of audiobooks covering different topics to make it easier for listening. We are pleased to inform to our dear listeners you can download a free copy of Destruction or Peace available in PDF format at www.mehboobkasim.net slash dop. I'll give the spelling to you of the website mehboobkasim.net M for mother M-A-H-B-O-O-B-K-A-S-S-I-M dot net mehboobkasim.net you will see this spelling also in the cover page of our audiobook. Thank you for your time and effort. Audiobook episode 2 will be released shortly. This audiobook presentation has been edited and abridged for easy listening. Thank you for your time. Much appreciated. Cheers.